rise up young man, rise up young lady, you are not alone, no matter what you're going through, it is going to pass, you're gonna come out the other side, keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today, Fatima Diallo. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, so I was born in Guinea, um, West Africa. Mm-hmm. And I came to the U.S. when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, until about my sophomore year in high school. And then my family moved to Houston. Um, for, and I was there for the last two years of high school. Then I came to UT. And I initially began majoring in biochemistry pre-med, but I soon found out that was not for me. That was not where my interest was at. So then I changed my major and came, went on a pre-law track, and I found that that was more fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been passionate about women's and children's um, rights and just helping them fulfill, get those rights. Um, yeah. Were you born here? No, I was born in Guinea. In Guinea. And uh, your parents left you there a little bit before yeah. you joined here, right? Yes. How was that transition when you left Guinea and came to the U.S.? Um, so it's, it's funny because I met, I officially met my parents when I was six, um, when I came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. When I was six, when I came to the U.S. Um, but back home, I never felt as if my parents weren't there because mm-hmm. I was surrounded by so much love. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents, cousins, I was surrounded by a lot of family, so I never felt their absence. Um, so when I came to the U.S., I lived in Memphis and um, going to school, like my first day, the only word I knew was hi. And when my mom left, I was crying like the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's funny because in Memphis, it was mostly, um, I went to school with mostly African-Americans. Um, but then when I came to Houston, there was a more diverse range of students that I was going to school with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think um, since we're, since I went to school with like mostly all black people, you think that like it was very welcoming. Mm-hmm. But even so, it wasn't because they always saw me as the other. Mm-hmm. Um so I was always like bullied for being for being African, mm-hmm. um, for having like for having braids all the time, or for like having the poofy hair, and for being just a bit darker because I had just came. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always bullied for that. But then fast forward a few years later, now it's like a fad. It's like it's like the thing to have curly hair. It's like the thing to have like dark skin. But like a few years ago, like they were talking down on it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's funny because like as black people, we always like, we always say white people are culturally appropriating us, Mm -hmm. but now it seems like black Americans are culturally appropriate, appropriating African culture because a few years ago they talked down on it. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah that was kind of the experience but um yeah um yeah so you you came to you came to Houston right mm -hmm. and uh, you grew up in Memphis mm -hmm. actually yeah you grew up in Memphis how was what were some challenges you faced growing up not mm -hmm. just at school but also at home uh, as far as uh how 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 well of your parents is and stuff like that mm -hmm. so my parent like my parents their biggest fear was always that um they're raising their children here so they didn't want us to to start having that mindset of people here like mm -hmm. that selfish mindset or just like um start individualistic mindset that individualistic mindset so they didn't want us to have that they always wanted to like for us to like remember where we came from and to remember our culture mm -hmm. um so at home of course we'd always speak the language and um, eat the foods and like we just saw that like this is something that was very important and i feel like the fact that they drilled that in me mm -hmm. um is like why i have the mindset that i have now that's like i really want to help all those around me mm -hmm. um especially like those back home um like i have that mindset today because of the way my parents raised me to to have me think about not just myself, but to think about all those who may be like facing difficulties um, and not even just the culture. They taught me about the culture and they taught me about the religion. So like, it's not just, you can't always think about yourself. You have to think about your community. Mm -hmm. um, I guess a challenge for, for like family life is that like my parents didn't grow up here, so they re never really knew like some of the challenges I was facing like outside of the home, like at school. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like it was kind of difficult to explain that to them because they grew up in a different um in a different like environment. Um, so that was the biggest challenge for that. But as time go as time went on, and like now I'm in college, like they're beginning to understand. So the way they're raising my sister is more of like an understanding way mm -hmm. yeah because they saw they see that through me yeah mm -hmm. so you came here and uh, your your parents they they did uh, they got an education in guinea but when they came mm -hmm. here they started working uh, mm -hmm. just to help provide for their family yes so growing up was an education a privilege for you or a it was both um because my parents they did they both got their bachelor's in guinea mm -hmm. um and my mom she then went to canada to study but then she came to america mm -hmm. and then my parents lived in philly for philadelphia for a few years um and at that time i believe they didn't have their pa papers yet mm -hmm. so then they went to memphis that's why they went to memphis um and then they finally got it and actually both of them went back to school they went back to college Mm -hmm. um to get a degree but then like as me and my sister started growing up um and responsibilities started piling they both realized like they couldn't continue and because they both were like the oldest in their families mm -hmm. back home they had to like stop um and just like put others first because mm -hmm. my parents like what i'm starting to realize like as i'm getting older something that i took for granted when i was a kid is that like my parents, they've helped a lot of people. Like right now, when whenever like I go to other cities and I meet like my extended family members, they always talk about how my parents helped them. Even like when my parents barely had anything like here, um, they always put others first. They always put their family first. So um, 
like in terms of like for me personally and for my sisters it was both a privilege and a necessity Mm -hmm. and like a must um because when i was in guinea um i was I was only in Guinea for like kindergarten and first grade, mm-hmm. but even that, like my parents made sure I was in a private school in Guinea because like the way Guinea's education is set up is that like a private school is kind of equivalent to a public school here. Um, so now just imagine how a public school in Guinea is if mm-hmm. just a private school is equivalent to a public school here. So like they put me in a private school there and how it works there is like is that like private schools you have to pay for them. So like they made sure they paid for my private schooling there. And like I just noticed all my other friends like going to other schools, like going to the public school. Um so they didn't have that privilege that I did. Um even though it was just like kindergarten and first grade, nothing too advanced. Mm-hmm. Um so then when I came to America, um my mom, she put up a board as soon as I came and she started teaching me like English and like my verbs (laughs) and all of that. She put it up on the wall. Um, and then on the weekends, my dad would literally give me like a clock and Mm -hmm. tell me like, put this time. And like, he'd buy all these like math books and like just videos. And like, they made sure that from a young age, I had that good foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, every day I'd come home, they'd be like, how was school? Not just asking me like, how was school? Like between like, how fun was it? But mm. like, what did you learn? And mm-hmm. they'd ask me like specifics. Um, and then like, I love writing. So mm-hmm. like a big reason why I love writing is because from a young age, like my dad on the weekends, he'd always take me to the library. Mm-hmm. Even though I had school during the week, he'd take me to the library. He bought me a library card, take me to the library every weekend. I'd check out a book and then I'd have to read it and write a report for him by the mm-hmm. end of the week and then we'd do it again the next weekend. Wow. Um, and then as I grew older, like the topics of course started becoming more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just always noticed that like, the only thing my dad watched was the news. Um, and I used to hate it. But then as I grew older, like I started becoming like more, more interested in it. And mm-hmm. like me and him would just have these conversations about like world events and like, um social justice and it like it started lighting something inside of me Mm -hmm. and like that's where that passion of like um wanting to help like those less fortunate and like wanting to be a part of like current issues like that's where it comes from it Mm -hmm. comes from like them instilling that in me um and living in memphis they know both of them noticed that like the education there was really bad um and just the environment itself was really bad. So then they moved us to Houston mm-hmm. um, because my dad was doing some research and he was like, oh, Houston has good, Texas has good schools. Mm-hmm. So the reason, and like recently I've become, I've started to realize that the reason, of course the reason they left Guinea was to give us a better um, opportunity than they had. But like they could have stayed in Philadelphia because all of our extended family is up there in the Northeast. But they always, because when they were in Philadelphia, I was in Guinea. So they always had that thought in their head of like, you know, our like our child is back home, you know, and like our um this isn't the place for us because there's really no opportunity here for us. So then they got up and they went to Memphis, and then um um I came and my sisters came, and then they realized this still isn't for us, you know, even though they had all these friends and like. We'd made all these um, personal connections with people. 
they were still they did not hesitate to get up and move again mm-hmm. all for like the benefit of their children mm-hmm. so then they got up again and did it all over again after like making after living in memphis for 10 years they got up again and moved mm-hmm. um and then they moved here and they just saw like how this was so many opportunities were coming in and they realized this is the place so this is like our final stop mm-hmm. i guess yeah well, so it was always a privilege and education for us was always an a expectation and an expectation and it was like a necessity yeah yes sir yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am so you finished high school uh, with a majority black school mm-hmm. and you came to college at the university of texas at austin mm-hmm. how was adapting to a pwi school um i when i first came here like I've always been really confident in myself. I've mm-hmm. always had really high self-esteem. But then when I came to college and um, I remember it was like my first stats test or something. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, like I made a C on the test. Mm-hmm. And I like, I was literally like broken. <laughs> I didn't know what to do because I was the kind of per- person where like high school was really easy for me. So I was like, you know, this is going to be easy for me too. Um, but then like just adjusting and like, I never really wanted to ask for help because for some reason, like I just thought I knew everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and after I made that C, um, my confidence level kind of just went down. Um, and then it just continued going down until like mid semester. And I noticed that like, there weren't, there, there wasn't as much support, Mm -hmm. like the professors, they just you know follow along with their thing and let you keep doing you um mm-hmm. so then i realized that i have to take initiative and like i can't wait for someone to come to me and ask me oh what's going on you know because like that's my responsibility to myself mm-hmm. um so then i got back up um started taking initiative of like because this is my grade this is my future um and thankfully it got better from there um but in general like overall like I just noticed that there's not a, as much support um, when you go to a PWI because when you're when you're black, like everyone just expects that you're automatically stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, that like no one really needs to ask you like how are you doing, you know? Like even if they ask you how you're doing, the expected answer is oh I'm good, you know. No one really wants to hear oh you know this this and this and this is going on. Um, the expected answer is always oh I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like when you're black, people expect you to always be okay, um, to never show weakness. Um, so that's something that like I knew I had to live up to. But then um, just like having having like a few like a like a small group of friends to like go to and to like vet to was really important. Because mm-hmm. um, like you're not gonna get that from like professors or from like the university. So. Yeah, just yeah. making sure, like, maybe to the, to the outside, you have to show that you're okay, but, like, you always have those people that you can go to, you mm-hmm. know, to sh- for you to vent okay. and show that you're not okay. So, as a black woman, mm-hmm. and your religion is Islam, mm-hmm. what are some challenges you have faced as a minority here? Um, Thankfully, like, this past year, I haven't really... I can't say that I have faced any difficulties. Um, 
thankfully like everything's been good i know my first my first year here um i ha- i wasn't i hadn't really started like covering my head or anything but like i was doing it sometimes mm-hmm. um um, it was my first year here, and I was walking at night um, from the mosque, mm-hmm. and then I stopped at a stoplight to wait for the for the walking sign to come on, um, and then this man walks up to me, and he's like, um, "Muslims and niggers um, will be out of here soon," mm-hmm. and that's when it, like I always tell myself if something like that happens, this is what I'm gonna do, like. I'm going to say this, but then I was frozen because I was like, he could have a gun. Like, cause my thing is like, I always have it in my mind that this person can kill me. You mm-hmm. know, I, I always have like the worst case scenario in my head. Um, so I was like, if I say anything, he can kill me. Um, he's bigger than me. Um, I don't know what he's hiding. I don't know. Um, so I was literally frozen and like that just, after that encounter, I just realized like, that there are like literally all of these things against me because first I'm a woman and then I'm black and then I'm now I'm a visibly Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I have all these things against me, but then like you can turn that narrative around and say like, you know, I have these things in my favor because like I can use these things to like speak up for people that aren't like me, but, mm-hmm. but that can't speak for themselves because I had the privilege of being here at this school. So like I have the opportunity to like take advantage of like this educational opportunity that mm-hmm. I've been given. Um, so with that, I can go so far with that and like speak out about stuff like this. Um, so just that and, but like in terms of challenges right now, I can't say that I have faced any challenges mm-hmm. um, one thing I can say is that, so I work at a law firm and um, recently I found out that... Um, How did you get the opportunity, by the way? Um, so I, when was it? I believe it was my sophomore, mm-hmm. January of my sophomore year. So I've, I want to go to law school eventually. Um, in January of my sophomore year, um, my mentor... Um, I mentor. I was speaking to my mentor about you know what I want to do at the time. I was work, working at a retail store, Ross, um, and she'd always tell me like you know you should find something that fits in your um, in your field that fits into what you want to do so you can get those opportunities and you can make those connections. Um, so she'd always tell me that, and then um, she one one day I was meeting with her for a mentorship meeting. And then she was like, so there's a job opening um, at this law firm. You should definitely apply. And I applied and I used her as a recommendation and then I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been such a good opportunity. Um, but recently, like I found out that one of the reasons that they don't um, they don't um, like when I do something wrong at work, they don't really they don't really speak to me about it because they're afraid that I could maybe file a lawsuit and because I'm black and I'm Muslim, I could win. So like, like you can say that that's an advantage, but like, I don't want someone to use that to say that like, cause I want to know if I did something wrong, you know, I want to, I need to get better. So like, don't be afraid to tell me that just because of, you know, how I look. So, um, that's something I recently found out. Um, and in terms of like, in terms of like um culturally though um like covering your head is a thing in my culture 
but like also like ever since I started like visibly covering I've noticed that like many people um see it as like oh like you're you think you're holier or um you're like the people that cover like that are usually extremists Mm -hmm. and like my thing is like I still make mistakes like I'm literally still the same person that I was the only difference is I have covered my head um that's literally the only difference um Mm -hmm. I still make mistakes um I don't think I'm perfect I don't think I'm better than anyone Mm -hmm. um there are people that don't cover that may be 100 times better than me um so that's just the thing so you have like you have challenges from the cultural side and then challenges from like the working um educational side Mm -hmm. yeah wow so the fact that your parents did not continue their education here in the u.s did that pressure you do you feel like they are they want you to be something they was not able to do or um i used to feel like that mm-hmm. but again as i'm like as i'm progressing in life as i'm growing up i've been learning more about my parents like i say this thing where like i i've learned more about my parents from my past four years in college mm-hmm. than i did when i lived with them mm-hmm. um i used to think that they want me to do this and this because they want me to be a doctor because like they were never able to do that but they had the opportunity to do so back in Mm -hmm. guinea because they got their education in guinea um so they also had opportunities to do what they wanted to do um Mm -hmm. and i used to think that they're living out their dreams through me Mm -hmm. but as i grow older i realize they just want the best for me Mm -hmm. they want the they want me to get to a place where i'm most stable Mm -hmm. um and like they just think that stability for me will come from me becoming a doctor mm-hmm. but like me continuously explaining to them like where my passion is mm-hmm. um what I'm interested in helps them understand like okay so this is who she is mm-hmm. you know cuz sometimes it's just like misunderstanding all you have to do is have a conversation mm-hmm. and both sides will understand so yes i used to think that my parents wanted me to wanted me to live out their dreams mm-hmm. but grow as as i'm growing and just understanding more of life like i'm learning that no they just want the best for me like mm-hmm. they just want me to be successful and to be happy mm-hmm. yes. wow so i've been uh, since i met you i've seen you hustling you are a college student most of the time you got two jobs you interning over there you're doing this you're helping this family over there doing that and that where you get that motivation to just chase your dream? Um, I think like it has to be my parents because mm-hmm. like my mom, like I saw growing up that she was always helping everyone around her. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd always make time for everyone around her. And then my dad too, like my dad, he's very quiet. People usually think he's mean, but like my dad is like, I'm closest to him mm-hmm. of like many people. I feel like, um, he's he's quiet but like he does stuff in silence he mm-hmm. helps people in silence um and they always make sure they help all those around them mm-hmm. and just like growing up um i noticed that like whenever a family member needed help or like needed a place to stay like 
starting from Philly, like even when I hadn't came to America yet, um, I recently learned that my parents brought people in. Like when mm. I was up there in DC, mm -hmm. I went to visit my family in Philly and they tell me how like, back then my parents lived in like a one bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. um, it was some kind of like studio thing, but they always brought their family in. Like whoever needed help, they'd always bring them in. Mm -hmm. And then they went to Memphis and the same, like whoever needed a place to stay or whoever was looking for like papers or whoever was trying to come to America, mm -hmm. they'd always financially support them, give them a place to stay. Like even when they didn't have a lot, like they'd always make do with what it is they did have. Wow. Um, and like now, even in like in Houston, they always put like they always put their family first. Like, um, like recently, my dad was telling me how like he had a like he had a really bad childhood. Um, like he um, his dad left when he was like 10. And then I was like me and my sister was talking about like my dad never had that father figure in his life, mm -hmm. but he knew how to do it so well with us. Mm -hmm. um like he never had an example but like he never really showed that he didn't have an example like we never knew that until he told me this a few weeks ago wow. that like oh yeah my dad left when when i was 10 and i was like so you never had an example but like you you handled it so well like wow. you assumed that responsibility so well um and even like now like he he's he talks to his dad like he built a house for his dad, even though his dad left, you know, he always put his parents and like his family first, you mm -hmm. know, um, he built a house for both of his parents before he bought a house for himself in America. So like he always put them, he always put like his family first and like same thing with my mom, like she made sure both of her parents, she built them both a house mm -hmm. before like, before like just having luxuries for herself here. So like just seeing where where their priorities were and like the fact that like they were always willing to help all those around them mm -hmm. regardless of what they had and um, was always willing to like make sure everyone was good just like seeing their drive in that just that drive in helping people is i think where i get my drive of like wanting to help people at at wow mm -hmm. so all the experiences that you had so far you you trust in your life mm -hmm. uh, those negative experiences how did you turn them into motivation to go out there help people and literally change the world the way you Austin say mm -hmm. um i feel like everything happens for a reason so every negative experience i've had happens for a reason mm -hmm. i like i feel like i had to go through that to see the lesson in that mm -hmm. um and once I see the lesson in that, it's my responsibility to change something about that. Mm -hmm. So just continuously telling myself that and then realizing that, like, I'm so privileged, mm -hmm. like living here first off in America and then like just being able to, like, get an education. Like, mm -hmm. that's so much privilege, you know, and like not having to worry about being forced off to marriage, like having having the right to choose like if i want an education versus oh do i want to go start a family like just having that right like just having that ability to choose because like so many of my friends back home didn't have that like they didn't have that opportunity to choose you know for them their life was already defined for them but for me like thankfully like my parents let me like define my life so just 
knowing how privileged I am and just understanding that privilege and knowing that not everyone has that privilege. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to use my privilege to like help those that don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are uh, one of the co-founders for an organization uh, mm -hmm. helping people back in Africa. Can you talk a little bit about that and why did you start it? So um, during the fall semester of my junior year, um, me and the four other Gideon, three other Gideons at UT, like we'd meet every Sunday and have dinner and just like talk about what it is that um, was going on in our lives in school and stuff. So around November of fla of fall of 2018, I went home for Thanksgiving break and um, I was talking to my mom about our group. And again, she was like, okay, so y'all are just meeting to speak. Like, what are y'all doing that's going to benefit, um, benefit Guinea? And then like I, I came back and I talked to the group about it and we realized like we should really be doing something to help. Um, so then we started talking about possibilities and because like most of our members were women, um, we just, we realized the privilege we have being here, um, of like just having access to, um, menstrual products whenever we need it. And then we realized that not many women like in Guinea have that privilege. So we decided like, we want to do something to help with that. And, and when we decided that, we started um we started researching and we found out that it's not just a small problem it's not just oh like she doesn't have a pad it's oh she doesn't have a pad so therefore she won't go to school therefore she'd get um get um married off um young therefore she'd have children really young therefore like she'd live a life of misery and eventually die and then the cycle continues so there were all these therefores. And then the flip side of that, um, well, another side of that is that, um, like, like when they don't, when these women don't have pads, um, they're relying on um, rags or like leaves, you know, unsanitary alternatives, which then causes infections, diseases. Um, and it's just a big problem. So we realized all of that. We started learning all of that. And that just, that increased the drive in us. That increased how much we wanted this, how much we wanted to be a part of changing that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Where are you guys right now? Um, so we have just finished um, the first, the first, um, the first project um the goal initially was to just do one village mm -hmm. um but thankfully we were able to do three villages um so we've just finished that um and we are looking we are our next steps is to thank our all those who donated um and just move on with the next project wow mm -hmm. that's amazing if you do you have any advice for that younger you right now who really do not know uh, who think that everything that's happening to her she's alone and she don't know how to get away from it do you have any advice for her mm -hmm. um i feel like now my sister is like in that in that um in that younger me stage mm -hmm. so what i always tell her is that like again everything happens for a reason use those experiences that you're having mm -hmm. turn them around into something good you know mm -hmm. they're they may be bad but like 
flip it, turn it into something good and use them to mm -hmm. make someone's life better. So there you have it, people. Thank you so much for tuning into the Mamba Inspire You Are Not Alone podcast. We have another great story next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Twitter and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire. <laughs>